1: Irish fans to another edition of the Irish Breakdown podcast. I am the football analyst. I'm Vince D'Addario and uh, with me as always is the publisher. That's Brian Driscoll. Uh, we we both are employed by irishbreakdown.com and happily there. So <laughs> I'm employed
2: uh, by irishbreakdown.com. Okay. Well, we, we interesting way I, of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, <laughs> my wife came up with that name. So I okay. guess and okay. she's kind of my boss. So I yeah, mean, you, yeah, you're on to that. You're, onto that. Yeah, you're it on to that. It is what somewhere. it is,
1: right? Um, so, uh, but we both work for irishbreakdown.com and and we're excited to have you, um, lots of information, uh, coming out in the past couple of days. Brian, uh, we've got obviously guys uh, announcing that they're headed to the NFL, uh, guys that are entering the transfer portal, uh, just lots of breaking news in the last few days. And so we wanted to kind of just talk about, um, we're going to focus on the transfer portal today, um, as far as. Uh, we're, we're going to touch on some of the guys that are leaving and then we're going to spend the majority of the time talking about the one guy who is coming uh, so far excuse me, that to that know we know so far right and yeah. I, I would expect there to be more uh but that's that's another podcast Brian who those guys um, would
2: be is, is much more or less known than Notre Dame's interest in Jack Cohn has been known for a long quote, time a week
1: yeah it's been a while well, at least that's yeah. a long time in a long in, time in,
2: yeah exactly you know exactly. What I mean?
1: in relative yeah. it's relative a long time so uh, let, let's quickly talk about the guys, though, that have entered the transfer portal for Notre Dame that are no longer going to be part of the roster. Uh, we've got Isaiah Rutherford. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Ovia Gofu. We've got Jack Lamb. And we've got Houston Griffith. All guys on the defensive side of the ball yeah. uh, at the moment. We we uh, we could oh. talk about, obviously, Jameer Smith. And we could talk about J- uh, Jafar Armstrong.
2: Colin uh, Gronhardt. But Which were are, all expected. Those, those were all
1: all expected. Yeah. I mean, look, the running backs didn't get any playing time. They're they're right. pretty much buried.
2: Yeah, Jameer's situation was more of just a, a mental health thing. Stepping sure. away from football. He's probably if he plays football again, he's probably going to go closer to home. I could I could certainly see him ended up at like a Duke. Sure. Uh, North Carolina kind of situation. Jafar's a traditional transfer, you know, yeah. talented player, good kid, but just got beat out by better players, and so sure. that's just kind of one you expect. He's a graduate; he's going to have his degree from Notre Dame, so he's going to be able to play right away. Uh, and then Colin Grunhard's situation is, you know, he's he's he was a walk-on, former walk-on who wanted right. a chance to play, and he's going to go to Kansas and get a chance to play. So oh, those were okay. more traditional walk-ons. Uh, or I mean, traditional transfers, right. the, the four defensive guys that have transferred last week are to me are more, are more damaging for another
1: day. And I, and I want to debunk uh, the the thought process or the narrative or however you want to put it, that they're transferring because Clark Lee is leaving. Correct. I, I've seen Correct. that a lot. And I want to, I want to address that because that is, that is not why these guys are leaving. That's just
2: coincidence from a timing standpoint. Right. It has nothing to do with Clark Lee. And, and honestly, three of the four guys that that transferred are guys that I had heard were going to transfer during the season. We talked about it. Yes. You and I
1: off the air. Correct.
2: And then Ovi's, I kind of started hearing within the last week that he was contemplating transferring. So that was a somewhat new one. But, no, these are not because Clark Lee left. These guys are leaving. And, And it's not because of playing time either. Right, because, because
1: Ovi and, and Houston, I mean, Ovi
2: would have been were already a, a in the battle rotation. to start. Yeah, they, yeah, they were already, already in, in rotation.
1: Absolutely. And and Houston Griffith, I think he's the starting safety next mm-hmm. to Kyle Hamilton uh, right. in the fall. So, it's clearly not a playing time thing. Jack
2: Lamb was their best special teams player this year. Was right. told he was going to get a chance to compete for the linebacker and job. Should've. And and Clark Lee leaving for Jack Lamb probably would have been a, ben- a benefit. And not personally like he disliked Clark Lee, but... He was buried, Clark Lee, but for whatever reason, decided right. that Jack Lamb, who had 13 tackles playing special teams and one game on defense, had one fewer tackle than your starting Buck linebacker Shane Simon, who had 14 tackles in almost 300 snaps this year, which is just beyond comprehension. It's a bit. It's abysmal. It's beyond comprehension. I'm sorry. Um. You know, there's a new D coordinator. There's mo- there's incentive for Jack Lamb Absolutely. to stay now. Absolutely, and there were people at Notre Dame that want Jack Lamb to stay. So this is not the 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 the, the excuse, the mantra. Well, it's it's you know, it's uh, guys are, are not playing. I think Isaiah right. Rutherford's probably you know a little far from home. I think there's some of that there to it, but these are these are not normal transfers. These are not don't worry, we're fine transfers. No, these are losses. Now, yeah. can Notre Dame overcome them? Yeah. Uh, but but each one kind of, you know, with Ovi Agofu, right, he was going to play next year. Mm-hmm. If Ovi and Jordan Patelho both had big springs in fall camps, there was an opportunity to maybe move Isaiah Foskey to the strong side end position where, you know, there's a shaky depth chart behind Justin Adamiola and And, you know – Nana's coming off of a big knee injury. Alexander Aaronsberger is still a developmental player. A young
1: kid, yeah. right. I
2: think they're going to have to move Myron Tungvaloa out there at times. Mm. If Ovi comes back, you can just slide at Isaiah Foskey, who I think has a body for the strong side end. I, I mean, He's already bigger and thicker than uh, Adio Gandhiji is now, much less what Audio Gandhiji was as a sophomore at sure. Notre Dame. So now you can't do that. You have right. to keep him at the – so that impacts Notre Dame. No doubt. So um, – Houston Griffith, like you said, was probably going to start next year, you know, or at least was going to have a chance to beat out DJ Brown in, in spring to start next year. Jack Lamb, Notre Dame's best special teams player, you know, he was the guy that was going to have a chance to play. And he's a guy that would have been a drop candidate with Ovi gone. You know, hey, how That's about moving point. Jack Lamb down to drop, and then now you can do what you need to do with Isaiah Foskey. So each one of those hurt. And Isaiah Rutherford of the four was the farthest away from playing Sure, but that's a questionable depth chart right now. The cornerback is a very questionable depth sure. chart right now. So that's uh, the biggest
1: weakness on the defense. I mean, that's I a I,
2: that's a position where a good spring for a guy like Isaiah Rutherford with his size and athleticism and the question marks at that position would have been, hey, you know, this is a guy that maybe could play for us a little bit. So, sure, um, the fact that he's leaving only hurts what is a shaky depth chart. So. Right. Um, none of those are we're going to be fine moves.
1: Yeah, I And agree. I'd say
2: probably Lamb is the one that you could most deal with from a depth standpoint. You know, you do have Jack Kaiser coming back. You do have Shane Simon coming back. The hope is he can improve. You do have Maris Luefau, who I think has potential coming back. You've got Ossita Ekwanu. I think JT Bertrand could move out there if he needed to. There's a lot of options there, even though I think Jack Lamb, to me, has the most upside of all of them. And I've never that's, understood, stand why. We saw what we saw this year. I'll never understand it. As much as I love Clark yeah. Lee, and I think he did such a phenomenal job in Notre Dame, he's not perfect. And that was, to me, the huge mistake, personnel mistake that he made. And I don't know if it was him, if he was directed by somebody else to make that move. I can't fathom it because there's nothing on film. And I've heard, I've heard this. Well, obviously Shane played better in practice. Okay, I'll grant that. Let's just say sure. that's true. At some point in time, what you do on Saturday has to trump what you do on yeah, Monday, Monday to Friday. Absolutely, Yes. And, you know, the, the, anyway, so that, that's that. So, yeah, well, that, these, these are – yeah. and there's going to be more. Some of them are going to be traditional transfers. You know, there's, there's, a, there's, a one, there's at least one offensive guy that's going to transfer at some point in time, and it's going to be like, yeah, okay, I get that. You know, he, he, he was buried. So so not all of these are the same. And and I think there's two dangers that we can do here as analysts and fans and, and anyone else associated with Notre Dame. Number one is to panic at every time a kid transfers. Clearly there's a cancer in the program. Well, that's not necessarily true because every transfer is different. Absolutely. Um, you want to look for patterns. Okay, well, why are so many guys on one side or so many guys at one position or why are so many guys are going to play? You know, We can have those conversations, but sure. we don't need to create – if you're an anti-Brian Kelly guy, this is evidence that Brian Kelly is a terrible coach and needs to be fired. Let's not go there, okay? Because that's not, that's not fair. And, and now it, it may come to a bigger question of, is there something in the program that's not where it needs to be that's sure. causing this? That's a sure. fair conversation to have. Yeah. But it, let's not use it as just an automatic, let's dump on Brian Kelly or whatever thing. Right. The other mistake is to say, oh, no big deal. We're fine. That's why we signed 26 guys or whatever. True because some of these they did see coming, but it doesn't right. make them less damaging. And if you think a uh, true freshman is all of a sudden going to be, you know, better than what a junior, yeah, right. where, where were you comp- when you, you know, when we were complaining about why more freshmen weren't playing, you were probably saying people like, whoa, you know, they got to earn their time, you know what I mean? So it's like right. you got to pick a lane and stay in it, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Are there some freshmen coming in that can help? Yeah, but if you look at like the the drop-end position, Devin Uopal and Will Schweitzer are not guys that were recruited to play as freshmen. Right. just physically they're they're, sure. they're they maybe they'll have to be, they'll have to play but they weren't recruited to play as freshmen you, you know what I mean you look at safety um you, you're bringing in Kari G and Justin Walters I think they can play as freshmen as safeties but I would have much rather had them developing and it, it's yeah, like yep. what I always say about freshmen Vince is freshmen you want to play freshmen because they're good enough to play sure and sometimes maybe they're not to play, right yeah. sometimes maybe they're not ready to play and this is what they should have done with Jordan Johnson. Maybe they're not ready to play, but you get them ready to play because mm-hmm. they're so talented. Right. And and maybe that would have been the case with Kari G or Justin Walters this year. But now you have to play them because your depth chart is so thin. It's it's Kyle Hamilton. It's D.J. Brown. It's Litchfield Ajavon. It's K.J. Wallace. And then it's the freshman. Yeah. There's not a lot of proven players. And Kyle Hamilton's gone after next year, barring no injury. Doubt. No right? doubt. Right. So now your future depth chart is, is looking shakier. So these are losses. These are definitely losses, and with Houston Griffith, he was supposed to be done after next year. Well, now because of the COVID situation, he still has two years left. Right. So these are definitely losses. We'll see what Notre Dame can do to replace them. But again, if you replace them, you're just usually replacing them with one year players, and that's not the the trend you want to get down. I mean, how many grad transfers did Alabama have in their lineup? If not you're many. Me that actual question is a rhetorical question. it's a rhetorical, rhetorical know, question. Right. It's, it's, not, rhetorical many. Question. Yeah, it's right. not many, and the only the only transfer that I remember them having that did anything was Garrick Dieter South Bend kid a few years ago and he was and that's a stretch he's, to say he's yeah, he's he was a role player yeah he was a role I mean he was yeah. he, he he played special teams he sure. a boss but he but was he's a role, a role player. player yeah that's usually what you do it, it's it's the teams that have had these great successive grad transfers it's they get that that unicorn quarterback sure. Justin Fields um you know uh, Joe Burrow uh, that that kind of thing you know and, but Russell those are Wilson. rare Right. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson yeah. yeah but those are rare those situations are rare yeah and no one knew Joe Burrow was going to be Joe Burrow when he no. transferred no that's the other thing no so anyway and he
1: wasn't Joe Burrow his first year at LSU right too, by the way I just want to throw right. that Which out we, there we,
2: yeah we've talked about that yeah. but you know that that's that's the kind of thing you look at and yeah. say you know hey I'm not I'm not anti-transfer portal but I also think the transfer portal can be a very lazy way of building your team that that prevents you from you know taking a long view of really building a healthy program
1: Here, here's what i like about the transfer portal if i was a new coach and i was bringing in a scheme that in no way matched what my roster looked like then the transfer portal can be used and you can use it to get guys on the field now and develop the guys that are behind them right, right. i mean that's to me that's how i would use the transfer mm-hmm. portal it, it or if if you know god forbid you know a, a career-ending injury mm-hmm. happens to a guy that you're counting on you need a guy goes pro earlier gap. than you thought right
2: because you you're a year two away three, from the position right you have to plan
1: two or three years in advance when you're in college in college football I mean you have you have a succession plan that you're thinking about as you're recruiting guys right. and things of that nature so if something gets in the way the transfer portal is a nice place to fill that gap I don't want it to be someplace right that, that's not how I'm building my team right
2: though. so for example if Notre Dame can go get another corner next year I would take it. I'd look at that, you sure. know, cause I, I, you've got a great freshman class coming. I in, agree. But do you want to have to play them as freshmen? I am I'm, I'm not ready to have to play them. If they win jobs and earn jobs, play them. I mean, you great. know, my stance on that. Absolutely. Safety is another one that you may look, at if you can find a safety that can come in Uh defensive end. Now
1: it is. You yeah, can right. get
2: a guy that can come in and play right away. There may be merit to that, you know, uh, even if it's not a starter, but maybe it's a, it's a, it's a number sure. two, something like that. So, There are some positions where I would look at grad transfers and and there's nothing wrong with grad transfers. I'm not anti-grad transfer. I just think the reason so many coaches are pushing for the automatic one-time waiver is because it's just another, another resource to get talented players and for the rich to to poach from other people. Um, But I also think that's very lazy. Mm
0: -hmm. And and I don't
2: think you're going to see Alabama doing that wholeheartedly. They're going to get a guy here, a guy there, what it's needed. I hope that Notre Dame doesn't take the lazy route, which is to take a bunch of proven veteran players like Nick McClouds. Because let's be honest, if a guy was a grad transfer, if he was an elite talent, He's he wouldn't be grad transferring. Right. You know, if you look at the the guys that became elite players, it was guys that need that they weren't high. I mean, Jalen Hurts' situation was a little different. You know, he he wasn't in a high draft pick. He needed another year at Oklahoma. He got beat out at Alabama. Yeah. So you, you look at, uh, you know, Justin Fields, that wasn't a grad transfer. That was a kid that left after, after his freshman year and got granted immediate eligibility, Which right? I Again, but the u- the unicorn situations, yeah. right? Most of the grad transfers are like Nick McLeod. Uh, you know, when Michigan got that Mike Dana kid from Central Michigan two years ago, everybody you – because know, Pro Football Focus had him ranked as like a top 20 player nationally, and I just kind of laughed, and I was like – if he was a senior at Central Michigan and he was a he was a legitimate top 20 college football player, he'd he's drafted. not transferring to Michigan. He's Man, going to drafted. the NFL. Yeah. His teammate, Sean Bunting, went to the NFL and got picked in the second round, right? And then, of course, he wasn't even a starter at Michigan. Right. But most of these kids aren't game changers. And I think a lot of fans see Joe Burrow and Justin Fields and think, that's what the transfer portal is. No. The transfer, transfer portal is normally Nick McLeod type players. Good, solid players. Sure. But we kind of saw... When Notre Dame got against the elite teams, yeah. Nick McLeod was solid, but not the player he was when they played in fear sure. opponents.
1: No, absolutely. But just gotta
2: keep that in mind that the, that you need to still recruit and develop is yep. still the number one way that a, a team that wants to win championships can can build. And if you get to a point where you're a player away and there happens to be a guy out there that can sure. help you get to that point, then you go get him. Yeah. But don't be lazy and start saying, well, we don't want to take the time to invest in our young players, so we're going to go sure. get, get veterans. The, and that's my fear with, with this staff, to be honest with you, is, is that. And you know, I after it. we come out of this commercial break, uh, we'll dive into a position where I think there, some can, there's two ways we could go with this Jack Cone transfer, which is what we're going to spend the rest of the show on. Uh, and, and you know how they handle that's going to go a long way to, towards determining what this program is going to be moving forward.
1: I wish there were grad transfers in high school. I just, they, no, I'm just, kidding.
2: depends I'm just on what state you live in. I mean, yeah. there can be.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so y- you mentioned it. Let's jump into a commercial break real quick. We want to hear from uh, one of our friends. And it's actually one of our friends from Blue Wire, the, the, the pod- podcast company that we deal with on a regular basis. So uh, here's a word from Blue Wire Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate that any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup alone. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out that description box to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. So, Brian, we need to talk about uh, the the grad transfer that is coming in and is going to be Irish. And uh, one of the worst kept secrets, at least of the last week, Um, I I actually was... I don't know if I was surprised that it happened as quickly as it did. I mean, you and I had talked about it uh, about a week ago. Uh, th- this was probably going to happen. It's the first time I personally had heard his name. Uh, but then all of a sudden, that it just snowballed in. He, you know, uh, tweets out for the first time in three years uh, that he's coming to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Notre Dame's going to have another quarterback. There, there's the a quarterback reason we room. did
2: that quarterback podcast the day that we did it. Yes, there was. No, you know, you're absolutely and why right. we put that in the front of the line regarding to all the other potential offseason right. news. We, absolutely, we, this was going to happen. Yeah. So, so Notre Dame brings in Jack
1: Cohn. He is a grad transfer from Wisconsin. Uh, we we know a little bit about his bio already. He was uh, committed to Notre Dame as a freshman out of high school to play lacrosse. Uh, but that's kind of when his football stock kind of started growing. He ended up being a four-star recruit signed uh, with Wisconsin. Uh, won uh, almost 20 games as a Wisconsin starter, took him to the Rose bowl, which is a a great feat. uh, If you're a big 10 fan um, and uh, was supposed to play this year uh, in 2020, but had to sit out the entire season or most of the season with a foot injury. When he came back, uh, he was, he, you know, he didn't see the field at that point. uh, So I'm sure he was already starting to think about what he was going to do next year. And he's going to be at Notre Dame. So, uh, let let's talk a little bit about Jack Cone and and if you're on the Notre Dame staff, is that what you were looking for? Should we we talked about this in the last podcast a little bit, what you're looking for in this quarterback room. Should they should they have not brought in Jack Cone?
2: Well, just a, a couple of real quick things about Jack Cohn. He uh they won twenty almost twenty games in his two years where he was playing, but he only was a starter for twelve wins. Okay. Uh, but you know, played on some two good football teams. If you look at Wisconsin's stats the last five years, their best scoring season was 2019 with Jack Cohn at quarterback. They actually scored more points that year than Notre Dame scored this year, uh, and that included having to play Ohio State twice and Oregon in the the Rose Bowl. Uh, so you know, he's a good solid quarterback. I think this is the kind of grad transfer quarterback Notre Dame's going to get. And most teams are going to get. This is the best you're going to do outside of, uh, like I said, the unicorns, the the sure. Joe Burrows that don't and there's come not, very long. And and as far long. as we're we know at this point,
1: there's none of those guys in the yeah. transfer portals. So. And I
2: don't even know who those guys are going to be. I mean, sure. is is, is the, the the Wilson kid from BYU's not transferring somewhere? He's going pro. That's right. the whole point, you know. I mean, if right. a grad transfer, if Joe Burrow was Joe Burrow when he left Ohio State, he he'd wouldn't have gone to NFL. LSU. He'd have gone to the NFL. You know. Right. Um, and so that's what we have to understand is the grab transfer thing is not going to be something that you're you're going to see that very often. The Russell Wilsons and the Joe Burrows are the rare players. Well,
1: and there was no hype on those guys when they transferred. You know what I mean? Russell like,
2: Wilson, there was a little bit because he was an athletic guy, but no one thought he was going to do at Wisconsin what he, what he did. Then that's And
1: that's the, and that's the right. point that I'm trying to make, right. like... Nobody thought Joe Burrow was going to be much when he Nobody out Nobody said Ohio Joe Burrow was going to
2: go throw for 60 touchdowns right. and lead LSU to a national championship. Now,
1: when when Jalen Hurts or when Justin Fields right. went into the portal, that's different. Those guys right. were highly recruited. You know, right. they had hype around them. But I'm, what I was trying to say is guys yeah. like that are right. not in the portal right, right now. The, the guys were hype already.
2: That's Correct. And, the, you know, the, there were some some really good quarterbacks available last year. And this is why I thought JT Notre Daniels, Dame should have yeah. tried to throw their hat in the mix for JT Daniels. Absolutely. We talked about uh, that, yeah. You know, but, uh, but anyway, I digress. I think this was a smart move, big picture. Okay. Now, there are some things they can do that could make this not a good move. And we'll get into that. But you needed a quarterback. And we talked about this on the previous show, Vince. You've got Drew Pine, who I like a lot. And, and everyone's obsessed with his lack of size and arm strength. I still think there's a lot of talent at Notre Dame or at, with Drew Pine. And I'm afraid that Notre Dame is going to kind of fall into the no big arm, not a great athlete thing, and, and just kind of pass him over. I think sure. they're already kind of doing that. That's my concern. But I like Drew Pine a lot. But I don't know if Drew Pine is going to be physically ready to play every single snap of quarterback next sure. year as a starter. I don't know if he's there. Um, Brendan Clark's a significant injury question mark right, right. now with the knee that he's now injured twice, once in right. high school, now once in college. Uh, and he's still a developmental player. He's still got a lot to learn as a quarterback. And then you got Tyler Buckner coming in. He's a top 100 recruit, talented, talented player, my number two player in the class. Would have been number one if not for Blake Fisher having a phenomenal year and then Tyler Buckner not playing Didn't as his a year, player, which yeah. wasn't his fault. I mean, you know, he wasn't injured, but he's played one year varsity football
1: right um against competition that's not great
2: very inferior competition yeah. so v- extremely talented player could he play as a freshman yeah do you do you need to make him play as a freshman because you have no other options that's a bad idea yeah um you know so so jack cone gives you some insurance absolutely the other guys aren't ready uh he gives you experience he gives you a tough kid uh, a guy that's used to playing in the north he won't be worried about playing i mean his best Good point in my yeah. opinion his best career game was last year against minnesota in the snow
1: yeah, it was in the and snow he
2: shredded yeah. he did something ian book has never done and that's go on the road and beat a top 10 t- a team that finished and the- was ranked in the top 10 and finished in the top 10 in minnesota uh threw for like 280 yards shredded minnesota in that game and i think they were coming off that big win over penn state at the I time i remember that yeah so you know he's played in some big moments he's played in the big 10 championship game he's played in the rose bowl so He's not going to come to Notre Dame Stadium and be like, oh, my gosh, this moment's really big, where you'd right. maybe be concerned if you had some really good Mac transfer. Like sure. if some kid that was really good in the Mac, you're like, is this kid going to be able to step into the 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 pressure cooker that is Notre Dame and handle that? This kid's had to play Ohio State twice. And that was a Jeff hafley led Ohio State team, which had a really salty defense <laughs> last year. And they were actually leading Ohio State at halftime, and he was playing really well the first half. And then the Buckeyes just turned it on in the second half. Uh, almost beat Justin Herbert in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, that's a great game. I think they lost 28, 27, you know, had some good throws in that game. So he's a he's a seasoned kid, tough kid, smart kid. There's a lot of things I like about his game. We're gonna dive into. Uh and if you're if you're watching this on a podcast, we'll explain some stuff. But if you're watching the video, you're gonna see video clips of us uh if as long as the screen share thing works. because uh, <laughs> you know it's me on the technology today. Uh, there's some things I like about him. Yeah. My concern is he's not a game changer. You know, and, and and my concern, my biggest concern is you don't want to do with him what you did with Ian Book the last two years, which is which is sacrifice developing your younger quarterbacks because he's the starter. If right. they do that, then this was a bad move. Because he's not a guy that's gonna go win you a national championship. Uh because of him. You know, if if right around them, if they make some changes and they go out and win it, he's gonna be a game manager. But what you can't do is you can't sacrifice developing Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine and Brendan Clark because he's your starter. If you want to give him the starting job as soon as he arrives on campus, that's fine. I I, I can see that. I mean, this is a kid that, like I just said has played in all these big games, right? He's got a resume. Give him that, make the younger players then beat him out, but give them that opportunity, right? You know, don't just anoint him as the starter and no matter how bad he plays or how well another kid plays off the bench, you don't play him kind of like what the debate we had in 2019 with when, when Ian book struggled really the first six, seven games of the year, just completely lays an egg against Michigan. And then you've had Phil Jacobic coming off the bench, completing 70% of his passes, throwing the ball downfield, making plays with his legs, blah, blah, blah. And just never gets a shot. Right. Um, You can't have that. You can't have that. And if that happens, then, then they're going to lose some of these kids. And now you're really in trouble. Cause then, Jack Cohn has one year left. I was back and forth on this. He played three years at Wisconsin. This year would have been a senior year. He actually got hurt. That's why he Mm -hmm. didn't play this year. Right. Uh, So he only has one year left. And then he's gone. So if, if you don't handle this right and you end up losing him plus a Drew Pine or a Tyler Buckner because of how you handled this, then you've screwed yourself.
1: Now, could could he add the COVID year? As no, well? this
2: this would have been his COVID year. So, like you okay. have you have four years to play, right. right? If he would have played this year, he could have added a COVID fifth year. Oh, okay, but this this was kind of his senior okay. year. You know, I got it's, you. it's okay. that, That's the deal. So, I, I don't believe he could take a medical and then play next year and then another year. I don't okay. believe okay. that is the case. But you even if know. that is the case. <laughs> that would even be worse Yeah. because now you're you're telling the guys Bucker, he's going to sit for two years yeah when you've told him he's going to play as a freshman and that's not happening
1: yeah not so, well happening. Let, let's 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 break him down then now, let's let's talk about jack Cohen. i'm going to start with the positives uh you know, he you said he was a game manager, etc. Mm-hmm. Well, there's there's and attributes. I mean
2: that in a complimentary fashion. I,
1: absolutely, by the way. Uh, and there's attributes of a game manager that are very positive. Mm-hmm. So I wanna I wanna ask you about his positives up front. I mean, he's got a, a tremendous uh, completion percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen him push the ball down the field. I'm sure you're gonna show some of that. Um, so start wherever you want with his positives, but uh, let's start from there.
2: I think the first thing for me that I see from Jack Cohn, Vince, is I see a guy that's, that's very accurate on the short to intermediate throws. Okay. Uh, he, does, he, he will push the ball downfield, but they don't do it very often. I think he threw in 2019 33 balls beyond 20 yards, according to Pro Football Focus, whereas Ian Book threw 63. Um, he will push it, but he's not, he's not overly accurate down there. He is deadly accurate when you look at the, the short throws. He has okay. got a quick release. Uh, he's got good footwork, he makes quick decisions. And one of the things that that I like about him is he understands, to to me, to be an accurate passer, the biggest thing you have to be, Vince, is you have to be a guy that understands ball placement. Mm -hmm. And in this video right here that we're looking at, I want you to watch. He's throwing a quick throw, right? But watch how the cornerback plays the upfield shoulder, right? So the cornerback is doing what he's taught. It's a slant route. You drive the upfield shoulder. If the guy leads it, then you're going to break that pass up. Jack Cohn sees that, and he throws it on the, the slant on the back shoulder. Cornerback has no chance at mm-hmm. that point in time. Now this is just a simple, simple little thing, but instead of it being third and eight, it's now going to be about third and three, third and four. Right? This is right. smart. This is good ball placement, and that's the kind of thing that you want to see uh, from a quarterback, especially in an offense like Notre Dame's. You need to understand when you're playing Alabama, for example, and that's a that was a good Michigan defense that year. Yeah, good right. Corners. Yeah uh if you're playing a really good defense you understand those windows are small and there's a mm-hmm. lot of throws like that where a guy is covered and he'll throw it high where only his guy has a chance or sure. uh you know back shoulder where only his guy has a chance and and those are the kind of things that you that you want to see from a quarterback and and I've got a clip here too of him of him throwing a back shoulder throw uh that to me is kind of like that's again what you want to see uh from a quarterback you want to see a guy that has the ability to say, hey, look, this is a one-on-one. I don't need to get cute. I don't need to overthink it. This is just – this is a chance for us to go make a play. And if, if you watch this clip here, you know, he sees the safety. He, he, he drops back. His guy – his guy's in a one-on-one. He does a good job looking off the safety. The safety steps down. He knows he's got that one-on-one. As soon as the safety comes down, he gets his eyes on him. As soon as safety comes down, he knows he's got a one-on-one. And the guy's covered. I mean, you look at this video clip, the guy's covered. I mean, the corner Absolutely. jams him at the line. The guy's right with him, hip-to-hip. You can't throw it. So what does he do? He smacks that thing. This is a third-and-three play. You're up eight points on a ranked Iowa team, and you just bang this thing on the back shoulder. This is great ball placement. Great ball placement, and that's exactly what you want to see from a veteran quarterback. And so, is that a big time throw with a guy showing a bazooka for an arm? No, that's a smart, heady quarterback that knows what he wants to do with the football. And you know, there was another there was another big play in that game, too, Vince that I'm going to show you here. Uh, again, this is against a good Iowa defense, and this is just kind of one of those things where this is just shows me just a really savvy veteran quarterback. I want you to look at this defensive structure. They got one safety in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. The, the the far safety or the, the field safety is now playing up tight. So he's – in the way Iowa plays, they play a lot of cover one, a lot of cover three, right? So if you look at this play, he sees the safety there. That's the guy he's got to worry about, right? So the safety is there. He looks at him right at the snap. He's staring down the safety, manipulates the safety, gets the safety to bite to, to the other side of the field, and as soon as that safety opens his hips and starts working the other way, he comes right back and bangs this goal route, right? Is this a great ball? Is this a bazooka for an arm? No, but he looks the safety off. He uses that savviness and he attacks down the field. That's what you want, you know, and, and, and that's what you're looking for in a veteran quarterback is you want that guy that understands how to manipulate the defense, how to use, you know, your, 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 your shoulders, your eyes, your feet to, to get the defense where you want to go that wasn't always something Ian Book was great at. You know, that just wasn't one of his strengths. This is something Jack Cohn brings to the table. You don't have to teach this. He already has it. Mm -hmm. And so those are some things I really like uh, about him that you say, there's a lot to work with here. And when you look at the weapons he's going to have to work with at Notre Dame, you know, I'd love to see him throw that ball to Michael Mayer, you know, Kevin Austin, you know, can he bang the deep throw? You know, to Braden Lindsay, like Ian Book did against Navy last year. No, I don't think he does that. But the thing I like about it, Vince, if you watch those throws and there's other throws that he makes on film, his understanding of timing, he knows his limitations. He knows that, look, I don't have a great arm. I'm not going to throw it 65 yards downfield. I'm going to make a quick decision and I'm going to get the ball out. And sure. he understands that. And, and you know, this is a, this throw right here is an example. This is against Illinois last year right he makes a quick read this is just a seam route you're going to look at this tight end here up the seam right here safety the the, the field safety gets out so he's not a factor now you got to get your eyes quickly on the backside safety he stays on the hash so i got to throw there it's got to come out quick it's got to come out right on the yeah. line yep. and bam right there in between three guys for a Man. touchdown how many times
1: how many times did you and i watch film or sitting next to each other in the press box seeing the we're seeing the tight ends for Notre Dame run wide open down the middle mm-hmm. of the field and this the throw that throw right there not being made right that that's right. the frustrating part because that you know teams will give you that throw right right I mean they'll give you that throw and with with the talent that Notre Dame has at tight end that throw is there mm-hmm. and it's just so many times and again I'm not trying to bang Ian book uh, but he just wouldn't pull the trigger on throws mm-hmm. like that and it was very right. frustrating and that Seeing that right there is, uh, makes, makes my heart happy. A little yeah.
2: Bit. Those are things that really fit and transition well with the talent that Notre Dame has. Right. Right. And go. things Thank that you. if you bang those routes over the middle, now that far safety that we saw in that previous play, he's not going to sit on that. Yep. thinking I got to cover that same route. Now, all of a sudden you got that outside goal route, which we saw him hit earlier. Yes. So, uh, now there are times like any quarterback, you know, that Illinois game, uh, Twice early in the game on third down, he made great reads and threw corner routes into tight coverage to convert third downs. Uh, Really liked his ball placement on those throws, his willingness to say, hey, this is kind of well covered, but I'm going to throw it high, give my guy a chance. They ran it again late in the game. He didn't read it. He just said, this has worked the last two times. I'm just going to throw it again. And he got picked off. Mm-hmm. You're going to see that from time to time. But that's what you see with a lot of quarterbacks that take sure. chances. You have to live with that. Now, the bad thing about that was it was late in the game. It ended up costing them the tight game. tight
1: game, right, yeah.
2: Right. But I like that. I can live with that to a degree. Because at Notre Dame, they're not going to be beating Wisconsin by or Illinois by a point. They're going to be smacking Illinois. Because sure. he's going to have much better players uh, everywhere except running back. On that team. On that um, team, you're talking about Taylor. N- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, with all due respect, is better than anyone Notre Dame has. At it least is what 2020. I mean, it is what 2021. It is. So, right. You know, it's a guy that ran for well over 2,000 yards. So, it's having a pretty good season with the Colts yeah, too. Right. Yeah. 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 And so, better linemen, better, and that's sure. saying a lot when you consider how good the Wisconsin offensive line is. Better tight ends, better receivers. Uh, you know, so so there's a lot to like there. And I think when you look at those plays right there, Vince. You see a guy with a quick release. You see a guy with accuracy. You see a guy that throws on time. He understands anticipation. He'll throw guys open, you know. And now he doesn't do that stuff a lot, but yeah. that's a byproduct of the system that more than it is okay. him not being willing to do it. Like I don't see. A, I went through six seven games last night. Uh, yes, last two nights really. I'm gonna go through a few more, but I don't see a lot of plays where I'm like, oh man, that guy was there. You got to throw that ball. Uh, the, the times where that did happen are times when he was getting pressured. There was a couple snaps against, oh, uh, I think it was Illinois, uh, where uh, some third and fourth downs where he had a guy getting ready to come open, but when he gets his drop, he's getting hit. Right. Uh, you know, so – so, but I, I think that there's a there's a lot of good there. He's not a guy that's going to do what he, he's not – look, Ian Book is a way better athlete than this guy was. Sure. You're not going to see the plays uh, like we saw from Ian Book against, like, North Carolina where he's, like, bouncing off a sack attempt, scrambling and hitting Kyrie Williams in the fight. We're not going to see that right he ha- jack Cohn has to be what we showed on film he has to be quick with his decisions accurate get the ball out because he's not a guy that's going to maneuver around he had a touchdown run against michigan where he just kind of creased the defense and there was nobody there they just
1: sprinted that- for the end zone yeah. right
2: that's that's not who he is he's he, right. you know, he may on third and four move the chains but he's not going to be the running threat as a passer that Ian Book was. Sure. Because uh, remember, Notre Dame didn't use Ian Book as a runner very often, which is why it also made no sense that you then all of a sudden decided to start using him as a runner Stop. against Alabama Stop in the semifinals. It. Stop it. Whatever. <laughs> but one of the things that Ian Book, right. Ian Book brought to the table is if you bailed eight, there was a legitimate concern that he was going to tuck it and run. And Clemson was the only team that had enough talent to, to prevent that. Yeah. Nobody no, – no, most teams don't have that. Jack Cohn does not bring that to the table. So it's going to have to change your offense a little bit in that regards. But from a a precision, accuracy, making reads, knowing how to manipulate the defense, ball placement, all those things he grades out relatively well for me in those areas, those Mm -hmm. mental skill areas of playing quarterback.
1: One of the things that I – in some of the film that I was watching of him, what I liked, I actually liked his footwork uh, in play action. I I thought that – I thought that he does a good job, you know, mani- manipulating the eye level of the linebackers, mm-hmm. et cetera. And I think his his action on play action, mm-hmm. I thought was really good. Um, and mm-hmm. that, again, that that's part of what Wisconsin does. Right. Um, and frankly, what I would like to see Notre Dame do a little bit more. They were running the ball so well against and, – and again. They so, run real play So well is relative. Okay, yeah. so well is relative. But they were running the ball so well against Alabama. They ran for 100
2: against, yards in the first half. That's what I'm saying.
1: That's really good. I would have liked to see more play action right. and and I think that Cone can be good at play action within right. this offense. That that right. that's the point I want to Extensive make.
2: Extensive screen experience as well. Yeah, You know, um bootlegs, they'll run bootlegs. I mean, he doesn't throw the ball downfield a lot on bootlegs, but you know, there's some things he can do there. The other thing I like about his play action footwork, Vince, you're you're talking about just kind of that selling the run, which yeah, you know, right. I think is big. I think Notre Dame needs to do more of that. You know, yes. they did sometimes, but their their play action like Ian Book would be faking and there's not even a running back there. Right. You know, because he's – now, just so you understand that, that's because the protection was more important than the fake in the Notre Dame offense. So, if the right. running back is supposed to go left to fake, but he sees the, the pass he's protection going. calls him to the right, he's got to go to the right. Right. And then it's just up to Ian Book to kind of sell the fake himself. I don't think that works against the better teams, in my opinion, um, at least not in, in, in college. So, uh, he his his not only is his, are his ball fakes good, but he understands, again, I don't have a great arm. I got to get out of this fake quickly, set my feet, and be ready to throw the ball, make right. a quick read. So e- the things we talked about before translate well to his yes. play action game, which is effective. So, yes, I, I, I agree with you. I think yeah. if you can manipulate the linebackers with your ball fakes, exactly, you don't have to have a big arm to make exactly. big plays. Now that drag is wide open. You know, and I think, you know who else is really good at that is Mac Jones. I think it's a big part of Mac Jones' game. Mm-hmm. He really sells those play fakes. And you get those linebackers to bite in, and we saw it was with Notre Dame. And then he bangs that slant right behind it or he hits that drag route behind it.
1: Yeah, and thank you for articulating the point that I was trying to make because that's exactly why it stood out to me. And Mm -hmm. and I also liked his footwork in the pocket. He's not afraid to step up into the pocket. He's a pocket passer. I mean, that's where he wants to be. Um, And so he's not going to bail because he knows that he's not going to be terribly effective Mm -hmm. outside the pocket. So Mm -hmm. his in-the-pocket footwork, I did like. Mm -hmm. um and so and so we'll see what happens um you mentioned some of his limitations Mm -hmm. you know the deep ball etc is there anything else that you wanted to kind of highlight there and that uh, i just i think there's there's
2: really two limitations really to his game and i think he understands his limitations i think that's important you know you you, you have to understand who you are and yeah he doesn't have a great arm even on the the earlier throw that we showed where he threw the go route it was behind him you know uh he doesn't have that thing where he's going to necessarily attack the defense over the top with just raw arm strength, but Notre Dame hasn't relied on that really in their offense the last couple of years, and, and and Alabama doesn't really rely on that. When they attack deep with Mac Jones, Mac Jones doesn't have a great arm either. Um, it's play action. It's, it's the right read. If you make the right read and you've got a one-on-one, then you can take that chance a little bit better, and if you throw on time, sure, you can take that chance, and it's timing, but it doesn't have a great arm. Uh, got a play here that I want to show where this is just kind of a, a little quick, easy out throw here that He's just going to throw a little five-yard speed out to the field. So if you watch this up top, it's just a, actually this is a hitch, and you see the ball kind of float. You know, he steps off his back foot a little bit, and yeah, he's trying to work, muscle work good. it. Yeah, yeah, but he but that's because, and this is what I get into. The ball just kind of dies at the end. You know, you're you're watching Phil Dracovic last year banging 15-yard outcuts from the far hash on a line. That's Ian Book can can make this throw with much more authority. Uh, than what Jack Cone does here. He just doesn't have that big arm. But what I like about it, again, the ball's out immediately. Mm-hmm. The corner has no chance to read it and drive on it. But where it gets him in trouble, Vince, is on some of the throws where when you don't have a great arm, you have to muscle up a little bit more to make some of those throws. There are some deep comebacks that he has to make that you can tell he's muscling it up. Some of his deep balls, he had a shot or two shots early in South Florida, and he missed them both. They were deep shots where he had to kind of muscle it. Now, I love the fact that he was aggressive and wanted to throw deep. But because he had to muscle – look, the more effort you put into throwing deep, the less accurate you're going to be. Sure. Because what happens is you, you you have to really torque a little bit more. You have to really drive more off of your foot. And more often than not, quarterbacks are going to squeeze the ball harder when they got to throw deep. And the harder you squeeze the ball, the less accuracy you're going to have because now you're it's not getting the same – spin out of your hand it's not getting the same it's it's going to be the the release is going to be a little different so yeah he has to muscle some of those throws sure. you know uh, especially the outside hash throws and the downfield outside throws so when he's not on time he's not going to make those plays there were some plays that Ian Book made uh, you know scrambling around and throwing the ball 25 yards downfield to a guy on a drag I don't know if Jack Cone can make those throws so some of those and and that's the big thing for me is He's got really nice footwork, but I don't think he's overly athletic. Yeah, I agree I was actually that. surprised he wasn't more athletic than he was when you considered he was committed to Notre Dame to play lacrosse. My guess would sure. be that he hit a growth spurt and never got the, the, the same kind of, you know, explosiveness back or athleticism coordination. He's got good footwork, but he can be susceptible to pressure. You know, he's not going to manipulate out of pressure a lot.
1: Well, and that worries um, me a
2: little bit with the fact that Notre Dame's going to have four – new right. offensive lineman correct correct so that's a concern yeah uh you know now the good news is is if you handle that correctly and we'll have it a podcast about this soon you could have two veterans at tackle which true you know, could, could help so we'll kind of see how that goes but you know that's a concern i also another thing too vince he shows great awareness in the pocket of what's in front of him and to his throwing arm side i saw him take an abnormally high number of hits from behind Mm. where the ball would either get knocked out or he would get hit as he was throwing where it was clear. He had no idea it was coming. That's concerning. Right. Uh, because that's where turnovers happen. He had a, he had a, he had a turnover against Illinois on that. And earlier in the game, he had a throw that they ruled incomplete on a similar play because his arm was just coming forward. Sure. You, you know, so then you had to, you had to go to the replay booth for that. That's not the, that's not where you want to be. Uh, that's concerning. Uh, they're going to have to think about that when they're setting their protections. So, those are some things I saw in film to say, you're yeah. going to have to be aware of this. Again, not debilitating. Doesn't mean he stinks. Doesn't mean he can't play. Sure. As, as any good coach is going to say, okay, these are the areas where maybe he's not as strong. So, let's make sure we protect him there. We're going to build around his strengths, but you also have sense. to be aware enough of his limitations. Say, hey, look, we can't run this play because he doesn't have the arm strength to execute it consistently. Mm-hmm. That, that, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we have to make sure that we're you know we're we're chipping you know, we're sliding our protection to his backside as much as possible because right. we know we need to make that that edge rush against this particular team wider because he doesn't see that against some teams it won't matter cuz they're not good enough to rush you. so those are the things i see from events to say you know you're going to have to be aware of that you're going to have to defend around that you're going to have sure. to understand you can't just run the same offense you did around with ian book cuz he can't he's not going to run like ian book right Uh, I think he's at minus 11 yards for his career. He had 33 yards or 22 yards rushing in his full year as a starter. And then he had like minus 33 the year before. Uh, You know, so he's going to take more sacks just because there's going to be times. And and I think he's smart when he takes sacks. You know, he knows like the pressure's there. I just got to take this. I can't get the ball off. I don't, you know, just take sack. Don't force it. Don't throw an interception. Just punt it and live another day. So I think that's where some of that that ball control Wisconsin offensive style can help him. He doesn't make those kind of big mistakes, uh, you know, but but there's some talent there to work with. I just think the, the question for me, Vince, is what offense are you going to put him in? Right. I would like to see him run a a more up-tempo, get the ball out quickly. Those screens. Stroke, yeah. They do some RPOs. They don't do a ton of RPOs. They definitely don't do a lot of. Down. I haven't. At least I haven't seen a lot of downfield RPOs, like hitting the post route or the deep slant, those kind of things. Um, but with as smart as he is, with his decision making and and how good he is at play action and, and reading the deep, because you know this, Vince. I know you've coached a lot of quarterbacks that weren't good with art with play action because they couldn't make a read as their making a read off play action can be difficult
1: yeah because you got to get your your eyes it's it's an eye thing right. so so when you're doing play action you have to take your eyes off of what's going on right. downfield because you got to look at the running back or you right. have to you you have to sell the run mm-hmm. so it's when you get your eyes back up it's locating and figuring out where things are yep. it's difficult for some guys yeah. your pre-snap
2: read has to be precise and your post-snap yes. read has to be quick and he's yes. good at that i think yeah. he's really good at that i've seen him come out of play actions and immediately set his feet and bang a drag route you know so that's good. Um, so RPOs would be, you know, the, the, the kind of RPOs Notre Dame needs to run would be easy things for him to do. He can, he physically can make those throws. He's accurate enough to make those throws. He makes quick decisions like that to make those throws. So I would sure. like to I think he can. A lot of things that I'm going to propose in some articles at Irish Breakdown about what Notre Dame needs to do offensively. I think he can are do with, a lot of those.
1: And are with Jack Cohn in mind? I well, mean, well they his, are, this is what skillset. Notre Dame needs
2: to do offensively. Period. Sure. Right, And I think Jack Cohn can execute those. Now, not to the degree that I think eventually Drew Pine can, because I think Drew Pine has a little bit better arm talent than Jack Cone does coming out of high school. He doesn't have the size. You know, Jack Cohn is sure. 6'3", 220-plus. There are definitely things I think Tyler Buckner can, can, can do. Sure. Um, so I'm going to have that. But, but I think there's really – there's some limitations with the deep ball, but not really. Not really debilitating, you know, because right. I always say there's two ways to be a great deep ball thrower one have a great arm yeah right and you just throw the ball over top of the defense two is have great timing joe montana was a great deep ball passer in the nfl he didn't have john elway's arm nope you know but he the ball he knew when it where it was going to go and he was hitting up that ball was out of his hand by the time the receiver got to the top of his break so jack Cohn can do some of those things we've seen him do some of those things and he's really good at understanding okay i'm gonna give my guy a chance to go make a play so I think you can, you can, he can certainly run the offense Notre Dame ran last year with one minor correction, which is you just have to understand he can't, he's not going to run. Sure. Right. But everything else they ask Ian Book to do, he can, he can do. There's some things he's going to be better at than Ian Book. So you're going to tailor it to do some, sure. some, some aspects where you're going to do more of this, a little less of this based on the quarterback. And I think he can execute the things that I think Notre Dame needs to do to make those changes, to, to take the offense okay. to another level. Cause as, you know, there's an, I have an article at hoursbreakdown.com today. Or if you look at the numbers the last three years, Notre Dame is as good or better on defense than a lot of the premier teams, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, mm-hmm. Oklahoma. They're definitely better than Oklahoma. They have a better scoring defense the last three years in Ohio State, better total defense in Ohio State. They're all, their numbers are almost identical to Alabama's. I think they're like .1 below Alabama in scoring. I think like they're like a yard or two apart in total offense. They got the same yards for play. Almost identical to Alabama on defense the last three years. Where there is a huge gap is obviously on offense. Right. And so that they've got the defense where it needs to be. Now it's time to get the offense there. Sure. And, and that's going to require some changes. So I have an article about that at IrishBreakdown.com. And, and when, when I was evaluating Jack Cohn's film, thinking to myself, can he execute those things? And I think he can. There's yeah. some things you'll alter a little bit to fit his skill set, but it, there's nothing that, but you, that's that I think right. That's there's coaching. nothing they need to do that I don't think he can do. Sure. Some of it he'll do really well. Some of it he can just he can get it done. To keep you honest, but this is a really good pickup, Vince, in my okay. opinion, from a protecting your depth chart standpoint. Yeah. Just like getting Ben Skaronic last year was a really good pickup if you handled it correctly. The problem with Ben Skoranek is they didn't handle it correctly because they sacrificed development to just plug him in and make yeah. him something he's not. Right. And outside of maybe three games, Ben Skoranek was a decent player for Notre Dame this year. That's it. And his hype is much greater than his actual production. Yeah. And that's not his fault because they didn't use Ben Skoranek in the ways that allowed Ben Skoranek to maximize his skills. I agree. With and, and and they lost development time with Joe Wilkins, with Braden Lindsey, with Lawrence Keyes, with, with Kevin Austin, even before he got hurt, with Jordan Johnson, with Xavier Watts. You lost development time because of your stubbornness to play veteran players. If they do that with Jack Cone, that's going to be a problem. Now, that doesn't mean that Jack Cone eventually gets beat out. But if you're going to have Jack Cone as your starter next year, that's fine. But if you view Drew Pine or Tyler Buckner as your starter, then you need to start working them into games. You don't work them into the Wisconsin game. But if they're not playing in the first half against, you know, Florida State, against Toledo, uh, against teams like that, that, that you know you're far superior to them, then then you're doing it wrong as a sure. coaching staff. It, it's Jack Cohn's team. You can even say it, Jack Cohn's team. But we're going to give Drew Pine or we're going to give Brendan Clark or we're going to give Tyler Buckner opportunities to get some playing time like Clemson did with Trevor Lawrence, like Clemson did with, with DJ, like we've seen other sure. teams do. Alabama's done this a little bit that, you know, in the first game of the year against Missouri, they got Bryce young into the game super early in a game that they were leading. And he threw, I think he threw like eight or nine passes in that game. They're freshman quarterback. So if you handle it that way and you still, Hey, look, we're going to jacks our starter, but we got to really make sure we're putting a lot of time and energy and developing these younger players. Then this is a great move. But if it's what we've seen with the backup quarterbacks in the recent years, Vince, where it's, you're the starter and you got to wait your time. Then it becomes a mistake. It's not but it's neat. in in no instance is it a Jack Cone problem.
1: Right. Absolutely agree. Yeah.
2: From absolutely. a pure Jack Cone standpoint, yeah. it's a great pickup for Notre Dame. You, you had to do to. it. You had to.
1: Sure. And and you have to you have to keep your eyes forward to what 22 presents because going into 22 with a rookie quarterback who has absolutely – basically you're going to take the situation this year mm-hmm. and just push it a year. Those yeah. guys are still going to have no experience. Right. And you're going to put them into that gauntlet that is the 22 schedule. That's the problem that I right. have. And so, you know, I'll give the coaching staff the benefit of the doubt that that's not what's going to take place. And I hope a year from now we're not having this exact same conversation uh, because starting the year off at Ohio State, is a little bit different than starting the year off at Florida State. Right.
2: So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see yeah. what happens. And, and and honestly, Vince, that's kind of my big issue with Notre Dame, especially on offense, is there's great talent development at Notre Dame from a strength conditioning program and things like that, but mm-hmm. what we haven't seen is necessarily the kind of player development needed. Guys develop, but they develop way later than they should. It took way too long for Miles Boykin to become his best yeah. self. It came way yeah. too long for Chase Claypool to become his best self. Uh, you know, and, and those are the kind of issues because Brian Kelly is got too much of a, once the season starts, this is who we are mentality where, you know, it needs to be in Dabo does this urban did this. Ryan sure. Dave does, it, Saban does it. We're going to, we're going to work these guys in early to get them ready. And if they're not ready, then, you know, when we get down to November, they won't play right. But at least they've got the hundred snaps before. So then going in the off season, they've got some that experience or exactly. if a guy goes hurt, we can then turn to that guy. And it's not the first time he's played. And that's what the good coaches do. Brian Kelly just kind of said this year, once the first game started, is like, this is our team on offense. And no matter what happens, no matter who gets hurt, we're not playing the freshman. We're not playing this guy. We're not playing that guy. And that was a huge mistake. Yeah, And exactly. that needs to get corrected. And, and I'm concerned that if it doesn't get corrected, at no position will it be more obvious than quarterback over oh, the yeah. next two years. And again, no this is not a Jack Cone problem. Strictly speaking, Correct. we're going to wrap up with this. Are you? If you asked me, and you did, is was it smart to get Jack Cohn? Yes. Is this a good pickup for Notre Dame? Absolutely. Can Jack Cohn be a stabilizing force for this offense next year if they make the necessary other changes to really take this offense to another level? Absolutely. Uh, and if it becomes a mistake, then it's a mistake on a coaching aspect, not on a Jack Cohn yeah, aspect. Absolutely. It's either he wasn't used properly, or you know things like that. So. Uh, to wrap up, I do think this made a lot of sense, and okay. we'll have more on this and other other things as we move forward at our breakdown.
1: Well, I feel better after talking to you uh, because I was worried about – the, the transfer portal always worries me a little bit, bringing guys in, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but everything you said I saw on film, and it just kind of reinforced my thought process on the whole thing. I don't want to forget about those guys that are in the quarterback room right now. Uh, but I think they can do it in an intelligent mm-hmm. way, and they needed the depth. Look, they lost right. a quarterback in Phil Dracovic. They lost—I mean, they lost a body. You need and those Avery Davis. in there. I mean, he and was their
2: 2017 signee that's at quarterback. That's a good
1: point. That's a good They're, point. So.
2: In two straight classes, your quarterback from that class is gone for right. all intents and purposes. Phil right. Dracovic's a BC, and Avery Davis is playing receiver. Sure. So yeah, yeah you you needed it. Good point. You needed so. it.
1: So we'll wrap it up there. Uh, Make sure you stay locked into irishbreakdown.com because uh, as Brian outlined, there's some great stuff over there and some great stuff coming. But there's breaking news almost daily with Transfer Portal and and, and guys – You know, going to the NFL, et cetera. And uh, and, and Brian and I will be another
2: guy declaring for the NFL somewhat soon that might surprise some people. We'll see. I'm still trying to do some digging on that. Interesting. We'll well. we'll, we'll,
1: we'll see. As soon as we hit stop, I will be asking you about that.
2: (laughs) Um, So (laughs) So, make sure I hit stop before I tell you.
1: That's right. But uh, we're going to have kind of our thoughts on the, the 2020 offense and the 2020 defense coming up, and then we're going to give our awards as well. So those are some podcasts to look forward to, so make sure you stay locked in there. Subscribe, uh, rate, review, whatever you want to do, but uh, make sure you're in there so you get everything that we've got coming to you, and there will be more in the very, very near future. So for Brian Driscoll, I'm Vince D'Addario. We will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. (laughs)